in the Buddha's own considerations before his uh, enlightenment, before he, before he left the household life, the, <clears throat> he had the reflection that why should I, being subject to aging, sickness, death, ailment and defilement, why should I also seek after things that are similarly, similarly uh, subject to aging, sickness, death, defilement, subject to sorrow? Why do I pursue those things? Why do I not instead seek that which is unaging, unailing, Deathless, sorrowless, undefiled. This was the insight, the consideration that caused him to, to leave the household life, and to take up the life of a, a summoner, a wanderer. And that led to his eventual enlightenment and to the the formulation of the Dhamma teachings, the, the establishment of the Sangha and the, the teachings and practice, the community that's come down to this very day that we're a part of. This is a root insight, a root consideration. Why should I, being subject to aging, sickness, death, sorrow and defilement, why should I also seek after those things which are limited, burdened in those ways? Why do we do that? Instead, why not aim the attention at what is unaging, unailing, undying, unborn, free from sorrow, free from defilement. This is an insight worthy of reflection. And when the mind is drawn towards that which is subject to beginning and ending, birth and death, gaining and losing, when the attention is pulled by sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, memory, imagination, when the heart is, is pulled, attracted, irritated, frightened, excited, this is the insight to apply. Why does that happen? What's the alternative? Then the Buddha later gave his teachings about the unborn, the unconditioned, the uncreated. As we often chant, recite those verses from the Udana, 
There is the unborn, the unoriginated, the unformed, the unconditioned. If there was not the unborn, the unformed, the unconditioned, liberation from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned, would not be possible. But because there is the unborn, unoriginated, unformed, unconditioned, therefore liberation from the born, the created, the formed, the condition is, is possible. Again, it's a simple formula, painfully simple direct. This is why liberation is possible, because there is that dimension of our being, that dimension of reality, which is unborn, unoriginated, undying, unconditioned, unformed. That's already here. That's already the fundamental reality of things, but yet it gets missed, it gets passed over, ignored because of the habituated attraction, aversion, familiarity with the born, the created, the conditioned and the formed. This was also the key insight when uh, Lumpo Cha spent uh, those few days with uh, Lumpo Man. He describes that particular explanation that, uh, that he received. That was a, a real turning point in his practice where Upuman described how that which is aware, the puru, the quality of awakened awareness, is totally transcendent of the, the world of the born, the created, the conditioned, and the formed. That's why liberation is possible. If there wasn't that transcendent quality, liberation would be impossible. So this quality of awareness, this very capacity to know, to be awake of this very heart, that which is the awareness that knows this moment, that cognizes these words, feels the presence of the body, the temperature of the temple, perceives the flow of mood and sensation, this very awareness, this is the, the transcendent quality. It's not somewhere else, it's not something that we haven't got that's yet to be acquired. It's a, a fundamental attribute of, of our own being. It's a refuge, it's accessible, if we remember to make use of it. We learn how to make use of it. Alumbocha used to liken this relationship between the conditioned and the unconditioned, or the the objects of awareness and awareness itself, like oil and water together in a bottle. 
Normally, those two are mixed up together. The objects of awareness, thought, feeling, smell, taste, touch, moods, memories, ideas, feelings. The objects of awareness and awareness itself are shaken up together. They seem to be one substance because the bottle is being shaken all the time out of ignorance, out of like and dislike, fear and hope, attraction and aversion. The, the habits that come from birth because of avicca, ignorance, because of not seeing, not knowing clearly, the bottle gets shaken up all the time. So it seems like, I feel, I remember, I see, I think, I hope, I fear, I want, I should, I shouldn't, you should, you shouldn't. Because of the bottle being shaken up, there's identification with seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, remembering, feeling. The awareness and the objects of awareness are intrinsically separate. That awareness, that puru, the the Buddha mind, the awake aspect of this very heart, this very mind, is already transcendent, is already perfectly detached. But because of the confused ways of seeing and thinking, because of the bottle being shaken all the time, it seems like I feel, I see, I see, I hear, I understand, I don't understand. Experience is cast into the, the framework of I and me and mine. Me in here, the world out there. My loves, my hates, my gains, my losses, my successes, my failures, my happiness, my unhappiness. But if the bottle is put down, the bottle is no longer shaken, then the oil and the water naturally separate out from each other. You don't have to make them separate. They're intrinsically immiscible. They can't be mixed. Their natures are different. If we just put the bottle down, to stop shaking the bottle. If we see clearly, if there's a, a letting go of identification, a letting go of personalizing experience, a non-grasping. This is what we mean by putting the bottle down, no longer shaking the bottle. Then the quality of awareness naturally separates out from the objects. It's not something that the I has to do. Just if the bottle stops being shaken, then the awareness and its objects naturally part company from each other. There's the quality of knowing, knowing like, knowing dislike, knowing pleasure, knowing pain. Knowing approval, knowing disapproval, knowing comfort, knowing discomfort. 
Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, remembering, planning. But there doesn't need to be any eye-making and mind-making around that. This is the great freedom, the, the freeing of the heart, no longer binding itself to that which it is not. No longer binding itself to the, the born and the dying, the beginning and the ending. The time-bound, conditioned realm. If the heart doesn't bind itself to the conditions, then rebirth stops, death stops. It's only because of that binding, that grasping, clinging, that it seems like I'm born, I'm dying, I'm gaining, I'm losing, I'm succeeding, I'm failing. Because of that grasping, binding, clinging. Bhavani rodo nibbanang. When that grasping, becoming, clinging stops, then the experience is that of nibbana, peacefulness. That's a natural result, the consequence of the heart free of grasping. The experience is that of peacefulness, freedom, clarity. No thing is being gained, and no person is gaining it. It's, it's simply the reality of what's always been here being revealed, being realized. Nothing's being gained. Who is there to gain it? It's just the Dhamma knowing its own nature. In terms of the practice, then, we follow the Buddha's advice to, to Bahia in this. In the scene, let there just be the scene, just seeing. In the heard, just the hearing. What is sensed and cognized, just let it be that. Tasting, smelling, touching, hearing, seeing. When there's that non-grasping, non-clinging attitude, then the, the heart feels, it knows, it responds, it relates to people, places, things, responsibilities, time and situation, according to the need. But without creating a, an I who's the doer, who's the experiencer, or a, a world out there that is the experienced, as the Buddha said to Bahia, if you just let the scene be the scene, the heard, the heard, the cognized, the cognized, the sensed, just the sensed, if the heart knows that with an attitude of non-grasping, non-attachment, non-ownership, then you'll not be able to find yourself in the world of this, in the world of the subject, 
or in the world of that, the object, or any place between the two. This, just this, is the end of dukkha, the end of suffering. When the mind doesn't create a, a self who's the experiencer, or a, a world that is separate and out there, but is attuned, simply, to seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, knowing it as it is, knowing moods, perceptions, just as they are. Not adding on a self, an I, a me, a mine. Then life is recognized as being extremely simple. There's an attunement, a harmonious quality. Our life functions in an integrated, harmonious way with all life, all things are within it and around it. It's undiversified, unified, attuned. <laughs> 